Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hope you're having a great Monday afternoon. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stoffer today. We have some NHL games already underway. Five minutes left in the first. Ducks lead the... Red Wings 2-0, Radko Gudis up to five goals on the season, and the Penguins with a 1-0 lead on the Wild with about five minutes left in the first. Canadians and Jets are going to start right away. Later, Kraken at Stars, and the Panthers will meet the Flames NHL today for elite promotional marketing, building tailored, branded programs for your team or business where your order is done on time, every time elite promotional marketing and of course also today dj smith fired his head coach of the senators jacques martin will be taking over with daniel alfredson as an assistant mac t mondays for contract equipment craig mctavish in studio okay coaching what a beautiful profession you you you're praised all the time no one second guesses you there's longevity the pay is exorbitant Oh, wait, that's the opposite of all that. Yeah. No, the pay is pretty good. They can be good in the at the high levels, anyway. The high levels, yeah. <laughs> the problem with coaching and uh, managing is that we take for granted every positive quality the, the person or coach or manager has and all the things that he does well for granted, and then you pick apart uh, weakness, uh, on the individual. And, uh, I mean, coaching, I used to say jokingly that the, the perfect balance is when the players hate you because you're too hard, management thinks you're incompetent because you're not hard enough, and your wife's not talking to you because you're never at home. When nobody likes you, you're in the perfect vortex of coaching. You're doing a fantastic job. Now, if anybody likes you, you've gone offside on one of those areas. You're not spending enough time at the rink if you're the wife's talking to you. If the management's talking to you, they're happy because you're killing the players. And if the players are talking to you, they're ruling the roost. So it's a very, very, oh you and I goodness. have talked about it before. It's an extremely difficult job uh, to do and execute. But the problem, again, is a lot of times when the coach does get fired, 
there's a there's a significant bump, and uh, I always had a hard time figuring out why. And what I've racked it up to is that we're in an unparalleled level of parity in the league. So small incremental changes have big impact. And if it just tightens the focus up on the players, because it it, it does when the coach gets fired, it's you know it, it, there there is a tightening of focus, albeit you would hope minimal. But uh, sometimes it's enough to turn it in today's NHL. I want to ask you from from this angle because I, I talked about this on Inside Sports the week of the coaching change here. First of all, I was saying to the listeners, I was like, my God, you know, I've only, this is my 11th season in this job, and I've already seen a few coaches, and then two years with Bob producing this show before that. Um, I said, man, it would be great to have a coach for like five years. You know, Todd got to three and a quarter. <laughs> you know, Tip and Jay both had good records, didn't, didn't make three years. Jay didn't even make two. I said, man, it'd be great to have like a coach for five years and have a successful, solid coach. And somebody wrote into me and said, Reed, I don't know. Like, I think three years is a lifespan, which reminded me of Larry Bird. When he coached the Pacers about 20 years ago, he said, I'm going to coach for three years and then I'm stepping down. And I believe they went to the East final twice and the NBA finals once. And he stepped down and he said, I played. After three years, you can't get your message across anymore. No, you, but you coached this team for eight. Yeah, well, some would say five too many. <laughs> you, based on that. But, uh, no, I, I, you know, coaching changes are a uh, direct result of, as a coach, you're always uh, trying to outrun expectations. And expectations are always barking at your heels. And when the expectations catch up to your performance level and pass significantly, you're, you're vulnerable. And uh, coaches are, I mean, you know, you, you, you have a certain expectation going into the year. If you exceed that expectation, you're, you've done a great job. And uh, you're in the, you're in the uh, discussion for coach of the year. But... You know where we've seen in Minnesota, uh, in 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 Edmonton, uh, now in Ottawa, and in St. Louis. Yeah. I mean, the, the the they didn't live up to the expectations. When the expectations pass you by, you're vulnerable. Okay, so how how can a coach? So Cooper's been there a long time. In, yeah. With the Lightning. Uh, I guess Sullivan and Pittsburgh has been there. I mean, a few, and even Barubi had been there, what, five-ish years. So how do you understand, though, the Larry Bird theory? Like, how do you keep it fresh? Can you instruct these adult, exceptional athletes who understand the game very well themselves? Can, can you find fresh ways to instruct them and buy in in year four, five? Like, is that increasingly challenging in this day and age? I, I think you can. Yeah. I think... Uh, you know, you, you've got to be creative in your approach, but there are always ways and there are always things, I believe, as a coach, a former coach, that you can hit on to add, add some uh, motivation to the, to, to the group. And, uh, you know, you have to have a, 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 a bit of a uh, 
dynamic personality to continue to do this, which I think obviously John Cooper has, and you combine, compile that with a, a ton of success and great players, that, that's what leads to, uh, to, to longevity. You look back at some of, some of the greatest coaches when they didn't have the talent were very average. You know, Scotty Bowman in Buffalo was, he got, he, he was great at picking a, the best situation right. for him to have success. And uh, he had enough success that he was able to pick destinations where he knew that the, the capability for growth was there. And, uh, you know, good coaches aren't that good on, on bad teams. I mean, it's all, it's all a, mostly. I don't want to underestimate coaching because it is important, but it's nowhere near as important as having the horsepower. Yeah, you can only take it up so many levels right by making a shrewd decision or a tactical decision or whatever yeah you know i love working with rob after the games i'm very lucky yeah yeah sharp guy um always paying attention when he's talking and he made an interesting point around the time the oilers made the change and you know the oilers played the lightning of course on the road shortly after that and rob said does a canadian coach Survive that 60-plus win season, but a loss in the first round of the playoffs to Columbus like Cooper did. But does a coach of a Canadian market survive that? Or in Canada, would somebody have to pay the price? You set a league record, and you didn't win a playoff game. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's leadership, though, right? You have Steve Eiserman that's pretty capable of assessing the strengths of the personnel that he has. And, uh, I mean, he had 60 wins for a reason. And uh, most of these firings with coaches, in my experience as a player and uh, as a coach who, who, who uh, had a couple of those himself, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's, it's a mercy for the, for, for the coach. You're just exhausted. You're burned out. You've tried everything. Uh, you've lost uh, faith in the personnel that you've had. Uh, you you believe that you're not good enough to win because you can't win, uh, giving all the uh, all the tactical changes and the emotional uh, messaging and the inspirational messages and so forth that you you still can't get that team to win. So a lot of times. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a welcome for the coach to 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 get fired. Yeah, I wonder if the guys this year felt that way though. <laughs> well, I know Jay wouldn't have. Jay wouldn't. I mean, have. he he for sure he he. And if they would have been lousy yeah. last year, then maybe maybe Dean Evison. I mean, he looked like he was uh, pretty burned out and stressed at the end. I don't. I I, I would think that might have been the case with him, but I I certainly yeah. don't know that. Uh, DJ Smith, maybe. I mean, he's been there a long time. When the fans start chanting, fire DJ, fire DJ, uh, you know, that's, that's tough. That, that's tough. I mean, that's really tough. I don't even think, I can't, well, I don't know if you had it happen to you, but I, I mean, I know we unfortunately went through all the jersey tossing crap and all that here with a very small percentage, but I don't even know, I don't even, I can't remember a fire the coach chant. At Rexall or yeah. at Rogers, I don't. I don't think it ever got to that that I can remember. 
Well, that's because the coach was already gone. The coach, it was the, they changed them so often. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to get to it's that. Like, it's like you used up all the longevity for Oilers coaches. <laughs> wow. Well, Matt I mean, T was we, here for we, eight years. For it to had, average out, everybody else gets a year and a half. We had we had a good I, run in the middle time. of it, you know, but uh, it was uh, had a really good coaching staff and very well supported from uh, from above. And I mean, we stayed relatively at expectation or slightly above for a lot of those yeah. seasons. Okay. Thanks for diving into that. We're, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift it to a lighter topic: uh, New York life and New York road trips. When we get back to Oilers now, read in for Bob. This is Oilers now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, six thirty, Chad. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Reed Wilkins sitting in for Bob Stauffer. Today, some guests on Oilers Now get gift certificates to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal's an occasion at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Which, to wrap up the segment with Craig McTavish on MAC Team Mondays for Contract Equipment, I want to have some fun there. Uh, the teams go to New York. I told Bryn a story that a, a friend of mine told me years ago about going to Peter Luger's Steakhouse in Brooklyn. Did you ever go there in New York? Never been. <laughs> but we used to go to a place called Il Vagabondo, and that's back in the days where, uh, I mean, we didn't have the same level of sophistication for restaurants <laughs> as we do now. And I, I was talking with Glenn Sather about this, I don't know, a couple of years ago, because we always used to go to Il Vagabondo. It'd always be a t- team dinner, slats, management, all the players. We'd go to this little place on the east side, and they had a bocce ball court and, you know, pretty good food. I mean, really good Italian food. And... Uh, you know, Slats was saying there's many, many better places there, but that's the place we gravitated to, and we used to go there and loved it. So, okay, was that an Oilers spot or an NHL visitor spot? I think, think more of an Oilers you, spot. Somebody on your yeah. team found it, eh? I think more of an Oilers spot. I mean, plenty of people went there, I think, but uh, we used to go there all the time, and uh, it, it was good team building back in those days because... You know, when you go to a t- team meal, the worst thing you can do is be there for two hours. Like, players want to come in. They're busy. I mean, they, they want a salad in front of them, some appetizers. They want to eat quickly, and they want to play a game of bocce and get out of there in an hour. And uh, th- this place filled the bill on all fronts. They must have loved it when the Oilers came then. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. 25, no, 30 and, people, And the right? Oilers back in the day were... Much like they are today, they're 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 the we're, we were the most entertaining team in hockey, and uh, you know when you have guys that like Gretzky, who uh, you know was popular way beyond hockey fans, he he was an amazingly big deal. Do you remember the first time you went to New York? Did anything stand out about it? Yeah, or, yeah. I got called up from the minors, and uh, I was going into New York. I flew in from Binghamton, New York to join the Boston Bruins as they were playing the New York Rangers and I couldn't wait to get out of there. It was The traffic was unbelievable. Everybody's honking their horn and I mean, I, I hated it. But, you know, o- over time and 
many years of being there, I've grown to appreciate the city and and enjoy going there. But to get in and out of there is a nightmare. Yeah, the traffic's insane. I, I, I ran the New York City Marathon in November 2013, and the day of the race, you had to go get on a shuttle from Midtown to take you to Staten Island for the start. And I had to get on the shuttle at about 5 a.m. So I was walking a few blocks at 4.30 in the morning, and it was the only time it was like a normal traffic level. There was still traffic, yeah. but it was on a green light, cars would actually go as opposed to a green light, and then nobody's still moving because there's so many well, vehicles, they, right? they, they, Yeah, the traffic is all always bad with the cabs, and good for you for running New York Marathon. But somebody once told me and gave me a, a tip that, you know, the cabs, they drive so aggressively there, but the the I can't remember who told me this, he said, but they'll they'll try and you know bully you and right. and and go but they always will stop before before near a collision because of the insurance problems they have so it's just you got to be equally aggressive in in New York against the cab drivers so when you were there uh, as a player uh did you like where did you wind up staying or living I lived in the uh, Rye, New York, which which was north. Okay. But the year we went to the finals there, we had police escorts, and we were just flying down Fifth Avenue to get out of town, and uh, the bus and all kinds of police escorts shutting the traffic down. So, I mean, okay, it, okay, that, wait a minute, that wait a was minute. cool. Wait a minute. So what? So what? You guys would meet meet in Rye and go in for the game, or am I misunderstanding yeah, something? Yeah, we, we okay. would at times, and okay. other times we would leave after the game to get to the airport, and oh, okay. uh, we'd fly out of uh, Newark a lot, um, and uh, we had we had the police that were helping us out, and the same thing coming back from uh, Vancouver coming back into New York there we had police escorted buses it was pretty cool so Rye was the practice facility yeah would any guys live in Manhattan well the high-end guys would they live would there. Eh? Yeah. yeah because it's so expensive to live there us journeyman hacks would be <laughs> oh, out, out living in Rye and you know Leachy and Mess and uh, a couple others would live downtown okay so if if you had a morning skate would you bother to go home after the morning skate? Because then you got to do the traffic twice. No, they'd get you day rooms so have across a day the street, even as a home player. So you come, you come in in the morning and uh, go. A lot of times, the the guys obviously that lived downtown wanted the morning skates at MSG, and the guys that lived outside of town <laughs> wanted the morning skates at Rye Playland. So it always kind of depended on how you were going. If you're winning, you kept it going. If you're losing, you switched it. And uh, either way worked fine. Okay, I, I I didn't realize that that you so sometimes the morning skates were in Rye, and then yeah, yeah. okay, that's an interesting. The equipment guys must have loved that, eh? <laughs> well, they had uh, you know all they had to do is move the skates and the gloves and the sticks. Okay, well, they had the sticks down there, but everybody had two sets of equipment. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. I was wondering about that. I thought guys had their lucky equipment. That they wore their entire careers. Well, if so. you needed something, you, you got it there, that's for sure. <laughs> no shortage of staff in New York. Uh, okay, Islanders tomorrow. Uh, what do you want to see early in the game from the Oilers? Oh, just uh, a tighter game. The Islanders uh, are historically a team that uh, plays a very tight, a lot of people call it uh, 
less than entertaining brand of hockey. And, uh, you know, sometimes those teams can pose problems for us that like to run and gun. And, uh, you know, what it calls for a lot of times is patience uh, because ultimately you, we would like, I like our chances to, to outscore them uh, given uh, self-imposed breakdowns. Craig, uh, this is a treat for me to get to talk to you again. Thanks for rolling with me today. Uh, Bob, well, actually, you won't have a show next Monday. I don't know when you're on next week. I'm sure you'll have you on at some point. And it's a good thing it's supper time because we talked about steaks and pasta and rye. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas to everybody out there, all the listeners and all the Stafferites out there that uh, enjoy uh, Bob's insight on a, on a day-to-day basis, as I do. That is Craig McTavish checking in for Contract Equipment, Canada's premium heavy equipment dealer, rentals and sales. we got Frank Saravalli coming up. we got a farm report with Colin Chalk. Reed Wilkins in for Bob Stauffer today on Oilers Now.